Praise the Lord. So in light of that, does anybody mind if we spend just a little time recapping this morning what was said last week? And, uh, and then there's some new stuff that's going to go along with some of the, the, the scriptures that we did touch on last week. And, uh, and we hopefully will talk about these other prosperity scriptures today and get into some of the teaching on, uh, from Paul just in a few places in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. But the, the message is, is that prosperity is God's will for you and for me. And we should, have, we should get to the point where we are so confident that it is God's will for me to prosper just as much so as we are that it is God's will for me to be saved. You could go to just about any, uh, well, I'd say any evangelical or um, true Christian in the, in the church today and say, now let me ask you, do you think, is it God's will for me to be saved? And, and they'd say, well, of course <laughs> it's God's will. That, if, sure, it's God's will for you to be saved. Why would you even ask such a thing? What's that? <laughs> well, some some people would qualify that as to who could be saved. <laughs> they might have to go check it out first. But I, most Bible-believing, evangelical believers, Christians in the church today would say, sure, it's God's will for you to be saved. So why would we then, knowing that that's not all Jesus did for us, why would we question... Is it God's will for me to prosper? Yet, if this, as I mentioned last week, is one of the mis- most misunderstood parts of our salvation package, so to speak, or the great exchange, whatever you want to call it, that, that there probably is in the church today. Maybe secondly, only to healing. I know many of us had to work through the revelation of, it's God's will for me to be healed all the time. There's no sickness mixed in with that. He always wants me to be well and to be healed of whatever comes upon me, whether it's my fault, the devil's fault, just something that's going around or whatever. I know He didn't put sickness on me because Jesus died to get me well. God is not a schizophrenic. Okay? So... A lot of us had to work on that, but I, I, I've, I've come to a place where I'm, I'm pretty, pretty downright confident in my salvation on healing. Guess what? We have to work through that same process and come to that same confidence and bold assurance that it is God's will for me to prosper. No matter how uh, people might make it sound more humble if you don't believe that. True humility is taking everything God has for you and receiving it. Okay? Anything less than that is pride. It's pride to say, well, you know, I don't need everything. Just give me a little bit and enough that I can get by. That's really pride because you're saying all that's important is my needs. And as long as my little minor needs, or if they're, even if they're just almost close to being met, well, then I'm okay with that. Well, you old selfish thing. What about everybody else's needs that you're called to pay for? People that need help. What about the kingdom of God? The cost it takes to put the gospel forward. You old selfish thing. You ought to be able to fund all of this stuff every time you have a chance. 
And we're going to get into a definition here that's going to tell you that, that that's what true prosperity is. But prosperity is the will of God for you. And so uh, we established last week that, um, you know, we've been studying all these other things about uh, how to, the tools that there are to work with our faith, to uh, help our faith to grow, uh, attitudes, uh, armor of God, fruit of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit. And as important as those things are, Paul wrote, and this is the verse we started off with last week, to try to try to compare and contrast this message of prosperity with all those spiritual tools that we've been studying and not to diminish any of those. But everything in the Word and everything Jesus did is important, right? Yes. Okay. So in, in 2 Corinthians 8 and 7, he says uh, to these believers in Corinth, he said, But just as you abound in everything... And here he's going to name some of these things that ought to sound familiar to us. In faith and utterance and knowledge and in all earnestness and in the love we inspired in you. See that you abound in this gracious work also. And the gracious work he's referring to here is he started up at the beginning of the chapter talking about taking up an offering for the saints. The giving, the offering, he said, was just as important of a gracious work as the, the uh, faith, the utterance, the knowledge, the earnestness, and the love. Now, we know all those things work by love, and so does your giving, by the way. But here he's saying this, this, this act of giving, this desire to take part in, in the offering... This is just as important a work as all those things we've been studying. Yes. The gifts, the fruit, uh, the faith, the, the, uh, the, the armor of God. This message, and this, it's, it's just as important you get a hold of this in your Christian walk. And, and, and like we, we, we mentioned a few minutes ago, it's the same or equivalent as your healing, your deliverance, your eternal life or salvation. This is all part of the same package. Yes. And so... To neglect any part of that is to take lightly what Jesus did because He did everything and He wants us to take advantage and believe for everything He did, not just parts and pieces. You know, people have their favorite parts of salvation. Whole denominations have picked out, well, we just like the eternal life part. Our theology doesn't agree with all that other part. Don't, you know, don't get hokey on us with all this deliverance and, and certainly not healing. Uh, that, that, you go to the doctor when you need that. And and prosperity. Well, we don't mention that. We're, we're, it's more it's 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 more uh, loving and Christian like to be poor. Well, where do you ever read that in the Bible? I had never read that in the Bible. I don't think it's in there. And if you see something that you think says that, you're taking it out of context because we're going to see all these scriptures that talk about God's will for you to prosper. So you need, to, you need to rightly divide the word of truth. But I say all these things are for you. Eternal life, healing, deliverance, and yes. prosperity. Yes. To take any, any less, like I said, is to denigrate the work that Jesus did. So anyway, that's important. We just want to establish that because right underneath that, two verses under that, is probably the most sound verse that says this is part of your salvation that Jesus did for you. And that is uh, verse 9 that says... For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
that though he was rich, and we, we talked about last week, any doubt that he was rich before he came to earth? In heaven, no, in, no doubt. Paved the streets with gold, and the foundations are made with precious stones. That's just building blocks to God. There's nothing special about gold or precious stones. And so all the wealth that you could imagine is in heaven. And so we had no doubt that Jesus was rich before he gave all that up to come to earth. So that's a very true statement, but it just stops there, right? That's the end of the verse. In there, period after that, that that though he was rich, you know, Jesus was rich, bound before he came to earth. There's more to the story because that's the middle of the verse, right? Yet, but it goes on to say, "Yet for your sake he became poor." Well, a lot of people stop there. Well, you know, Jesus gave up all of his wealth, you know. Why do you think you ought to prosper? You know, Jesus gave it. said He was rich, but He became poor. So, shouldn't you become poor like Jesus? Je- you know, Jesus, he, he came down. He showed us how to live. We're supposed to, we're supposed to be humble and live in poverty. Is it, isn't there a period after that that said He became poor? Oh, there's not. Does it have more to say? So that. I have my favorite two words. So that. <laughs> He became so poor for a reason. So that. so that. Okay, people want to skip the rest of this verse, but it says, so that you, that's everybody in here, that's everybody hearing this, you, through his poverty, might become, oh, we don't say that word, right? <laughs> that's a cuss word in church, right? No, that next word? No, it's so that you could become, don't you say it real quietly. Because if, if other people heard you saying that, they'd get offended, right? That, you, that you're believing. The, oh, you're just name it, claim it, right? <laughs> Y'all are that name it, claim it group. <laughs> yes, you see everything you want and you claim it because you think you can be rich. Yes, sir. But it's okay for you to be rich if you earn it on your own. Oh, well, right. See, now, you know, we're talking about here, you expecting God to make you rich. Well, no, you... God, God wants you to be. See, said Jesus became poor. If you, if you're gonna, you know, be successful, you need to go out and, you know, go to get education and work hard. And you work hard, and you might can get yourself better off. Is that what this verse says? No. Now there's there's some elements of truth, elements in some of that. But what this verse says is Jesus became poor so that you could become rich. <laughs> Everybody say rich out loud. Rich! <laughs> okay, did that hurt you? Did it embarrass you? <laughs> we, need, we need to get to where we're more comfortable saying, I'm rich! I'm rich. <laughs> and I'm not ashamed of it! <laughs> okay, we're going to test that out someday. <laughs> We go out and minister somewhere. We're going to say, "All right, are you rich?" <laughs> and we need to say, "Yes, Amen." Jesus took my poverty, so I don't have to have it, so I could become rich. This is part of salvation. This is part of His plan. His price He paid for you is He paid for your poverty. I don't. For me to live in poverty would be an absolute. Um, discounting of Jesus' sacrifice. 
Now, if I had to go through poverty, there's no, there's no condemnation in going through poverty. The condemnation is believing to stay there. When you have been paid a, a, a tremendous price to get out of it yes. and, to, and, to, and to walk in your blessing, in your prosperity. And so, we're not throwing away all the rest of salvation. We're not throwing away eternal life. We're not throwing away healing. We're not throwing away deliverance. We're just saying this is an equal portion yes. with that is to prosper. Yes. You know, you might say, well, you keep repeating a lot of things. Yeah, because I'm trying to get us to get it. It took me a while to get it. <laughs> and I'm still learning to walk in it. But it took me a number of years to get out of this doubt mentality that I'm supposed to be humble and poor or that I'm supposed to be just modest and moderate. No, I'm supposed to be rich. Yes, rich. And the word we heard before the message was we're supposed to arise into abundance. Yes. Abundance is not moder moderation. It goes with the Word of God. You're going to see that in one of these scriptures. But we need to root out the doubt about prosperity. And we need to fill up the faith and, and stand in it and get grounded in it that it is God's will for me to absolutely prosper to the point that I'm rich. Yes. And now that's a relative term. And not many of you have relatives that are. <laughs> but I believe it to be the first one <laughs> in my family and that all the rest of them that come beyond are going to be, a, a, a blessed, be blessed because I am. Yes. Amen? So I want it to be more than a relative term, but I want my relatives to be, <laughs> to be rich because I am. Amen? You can be so rich that it can go on. The Bible says it's supposed to go to generation to generation. Yes. So that the righteous man, how does the Scripture go? Leaves an, leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So if we don't have enough financial prosperity to leave it to our grandchildren, that even the next generation can't blow it all there so much, then we're not, we're not living fully in everything God paid for for us. Now, a lot of places, if I preached that, they'd pick up stones, okay, so to speak. They'd pick them up with their tongue, probably, and start lashing me. But that is what the Word says. You just quoted the Scripture right there, okay, that we're supposed to leave an inheritance. How are you going to leave an inheritance if you're poor? You ever seen any poor people leave inheritances? You ever see anybody scramble to go to reading of the will of a poor man? <laughs> this spirit, well, yeah, brother, it's just talking about spiritual blessings you're going to leave to your grandchildren. No, that's not what it's talking about. <laughs> it's talking about inheritance is, is tangible things, okay? You can leave a legacy. That can be spiritual things. Uh, but an inheritance is something tangible, Goods, resources, money, wealth. That's an inheritance. Okay? So we need to get into the mindset that God's Word has that we are to prosper. So we looked at this verse right here. It's probably the strongest verse about Jesus' exchange of poverty for our riches. But it, we, we looked back, and you don't have to turn there, back in Isaiah where all of the great exchange we've studied that Jesus did is prophesied and spoken into the earth by Isaiah. We know he talked about how he would receive stripes, how he, he'd be so marred in chapter 52 that he'd be unrecognizable. 
Uh, but right up at the beginning of that section of those prophecies about all the things that, that describe Jesus' crucifixion process was a verse that says right above that, and it's the one there, verse 13, that says, My servant, the one that it's talking about in that passage, will prosper. Yes. Will is a future tense term, is it not? My servant, the one who's going to be so marred that you would be unrecognizable, my servant will prosper. So it must mean that at the moment of all these descriptions, he's not prospering, but he will prosper. Yes, See, there was an exchange going on. And it goes on to say in chapter 53, verse 10, and, and end of verse 10 and, and verse 12, it says, He will, talking about this same Jesus that is prophesying about, it says, He will divide the booty, or in another version it says the spoil, with the strong. So if he is if he is in poverty, and then it says he will prosper, he has to have something to prosper with to be able to have it to divide. Yeah. Right? So he's getting an inheritance through this process that he's gonna have something to give out. The spoils. We said well we talked about spoils, that's the rewards of war, like right? You go get whatever the enemy had, all their goods. That's called the spoils or the booty. You get all that, and now when you defeat the enemy, all their stuff is yours. So Jesus defeated the enemy and stole all the, the resources back that the devil had gotten authority over. And he got all the spoils, all the booty, and what's he going to do with it? He's going to hoard it up and, and carry it off to the warehouse in heaven, right? No, it wasn't saying he's going to divide it with the strong then you need to strive to be the strong in the, in the Lord, yes. right? In the Word. Is the strong in salvation are the ones that are eligible to get the spoils, yes. okay? You, you have a right to it by being the saved, by being the child of God, but you're actually going to get it, you're going to receive it if you rise up, yes. <laughs> like we're talking about this morning, and be strong in the Word and in yes. the power of His might, you're going to get the goods, yes. okay? Now again, remember, it's not it's not um, it's not wrong or arrogant to want the goods. That's remember right. what we said, oh selfish you! If you just want enough to get by and enough for you, that's selfish. We have we have a, a job to do. We have a calling in life. It takes money. It takes resources. Yes. We have children to bless, generations to to raise up. Right? Takes money. Takes resources. Takes an inheritance. You need to rise up and be the strong and let God use what He has provided, what He has paid for, what He has, what he has, has gotten back from the devil that the devil tried to capture this earth and the authority of it and take it and, and, and rise up and go forward with it yes. and take authority over it and call it in. Yes. And so because it belongs to you. So anyway, we need to be the strong. So we're going to look at a series of scriptures. We looked at just a couple of these last week. But we're going to look at some of these uh, that are on your sheet there that are listed about that talk about prosperity. But what I wanted to show you today is some of the aspects of this that we're going to add. And we're going to call all these things like the aspects of prosperity. But that, that verse, that 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 we just read about how Jesus exchanged poverty for His riches to you, you could say that that one is the purchase of prosperity. That verse describes the purchase of prosperity. Or you could say it's the great exchange or the covenant of prosperity. It's what that verse describes in a verse. 
okay? The purchase or the covenant of prosperity. All right, now let's look at 3 John 2. Back in the little books of John, back in the back of your New Testament, just before the book of Revelation, 3 John 2. And that verse says, Beloved, I wish above all things... Now, we said this is the same John who wrote the Gospel of John, the same John who wrote John 3.16. This same John, who we take it as a Gospel in, in the Gospel, the book of John, we need to take what he's saying just as strongly here as being inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he said, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. Okay? You could say that that verse describes God's heart for prosperity. He desires above all things that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. That, that basically describes the whole salvation package that it is His desire above all things that you receive all of them, but prosperity is mentioned in the list, is it not? He didn't just say, I want your mind to be straight and healthy and I want you to, your body to be, walk in health. Period. No. He said, I wish that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. Okay? Body, mind, spirit, finances, all these things He wants you to prosper in. So it's God's heart for prosperity. Yes. Now look at uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Should be another very familiar scripture to you. But Paul was telling this to the Philippian church. He said, And my God will supply all your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So you could say here that this, this verse describes the standard of prosperity. The standard of prosperity. What is the standard God measures by to see if you're prosperous? Does he go by, let's see, I bet he goes by the economy of the European Union and how, what, what's the median income for people in the EU. Is that what he uses as a standard? No, no I, well, it's the United States. I, I'm wrong. It's the United States because we're the, we're the strongest nation in the earth today, right? So, and the strongest economy, typically. So I bet he goes by the median family income in the United States, right? That, that's, by, that's the standard he uses. No? No? What does this verse say? According to His riches in glory. What did we say He uses for building materials up there? Gold, diamonds, emeralds, precious stones. Nothing but building material. Nothing special. So, we're supposed to prosper by the standards of God's riches. Not ours. Not the United States. Not the EU. Not South America not Canada. We're supposed to prosper by according to the riches in glory. That's a pretty high standard, is it not? Okay. Any of you reached it yet? So do we have a ways to go? Is there room for improvement and room for more prosperity? Okay. Somebody said, you ought to be ashamed claiming to be rich because in the United States, we're even the poor are rich. Well, I'm not going by the standard of the United States. I'm going by the standard in heaven. So until I reach that, I don't have anything to be ashamed of. If I reach that, I still don't have anything to be ashamed of. And I might not ever reach it on this earth, but that's what I'm supposed to strive for is God's standard. 
Now, if that doesn't get you going and thinking about it being truly being God's will to prosper, you're not paying attention. Okay? I like that verse. Okay. Then we go to Ephesians 3 and 20. Another good verse. You probably know this one. Some of you could quote it. But he says in here in Ephesians 3 and 20, this is King James, he says, um, let me just check this out here. He says, Now unto Him, talking about God, unto Him that is able, is God able? Unto Him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in heaven. No, according to the power that works in us, okay? And so you could say this verse is a description of prosperity, a description. It describes prosperity is exceeding abundantly above what you could even think or ask for. A lot of you have a lot of things in mind. <laughs> I don't know any of you kids have a lot of things in mind you would like to ask for. <laughs> I do. I got a list. It's on my goal sheet for the year. Okay? Things I'm believing for. Okay? Guess what? No problem. No big deal. No big deal. You say, you got a list? You're asking God for things? We shouldn't be asking God for things, brother. We should just be living day by day on whatever we can get by with. No, that's not what the Word says. It says we can expect Him to do exceeding abundantly all we could ask or think. So whatever I have on my list is nothing. Because he, he wants to do way beyond that. That is a description of prosperity. In, in being wealthy or rich or abundant beyond what you could even ask for. Okay? I don't know how many of you kids, but when you if you've gotten things that you that you would like to have, but you got them before you ever had to ask mom or dad for them. That is a little example of prosperity. Just something that you might have, you might have, might have liked it had you come across it, but before you even came across it or asked for it, mom or dad just got it and blessed you with it. That's prosperity. That, that is an example of how God is. Okay? That's a description. All right, let's go on to that verse that was, that was quoted earlier. Merle, that John 10 and 10. Did I skip one? Oh, sorry. Matthew 6.33. Okay, we won't skip Matthew. Matthew 6.33. And that what, that what that stresses is you have a part to play. Even though it's His desire to give you more than you could even ask or imagine, it's according to or it's measured out by what works in you. What is the force that's at work in you? the force of faith. Faith in the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power. That's the, that's the force that's working in you. But faith is what it works on. Okay? If you don't have anything for the Holy, the power of the Holy Spirit that's, that's in you churning and working, you don't have anything for it to work with, <laughs> you're not going to receive anything. You've got you to believe and speak your faith. And then the power of the Holy Spirit comes in that spoken word and produces what it is you desire. In fact, it's going to produce more than you desire, right? That's what the first part of the verse says. 
All right, but look at Matthew 6.33. It says, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Okay? So we could say that this one is the promise of prosperity, is that you seek and all, not part, not half, not a few, all these things will be added to you. All these things. That's a promise. Seek His kingdom, His righteousness, and all these things. Promises always have a a conditional part. The conditional part is if you seek them, they'll be added to you. Okay? Not seeking the things, seeking the kingdom and His righteousness. That's the them them there. You seek the kingdom and the righteousness, all these things will be added to you. How can they be just added to you? Because they're part of your salvation. They're part of the riches that, that Jesus paid for for you. So that's the promise of prosperity. Now look at John 10.10. 10. John 10.10. 10. John 10 and verse 10. Very famous scripture. Like I said, we heard it a few minutes ago. It says, The thief... Now this was Jesus, right? This is in red in your Bible. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Semicolon. Not a period. <laughs> I came that they may have life and have it just squeaking enough to get by. No? And they have it abundantly. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life. Okay? Abundant life. I don't know how you could live in this natural world uh, setting and have abundant life if you're living in poverty. Okay? Now again, it's no condemnation if you're hearing this and you are in poverty. It's encouragement because you don't have to stay in poverty. That's right. Okay? Abundant life belongs to you all aspects. Eternal salvation, healing, deliverance, and prosperity and finances. And so you are, you are called, you are given the ability to live in abundance. So you don't have to stay, in, you don't have to stay poor. You don't have to stay in poverty. That's not your calling. <laughs> That's not your inheritance. If you're there, praise God. You can, you can get out. That's the good news. It's not a forever thing. And so we could say that this verse, because it's talking about abundance... This verse describes the degree of prosperity. It's not just having enough. It's not just having a little bit more than enough. It's having abundance. Abundance. You ever heard of an abundant crop? That means there was a whole lot more than they even expected. Just like that verse said that we read a few minutes ago. Exceeding abundantly beyond. The one that described prosperity. Prosperity, by description, is abundance. That's the degree of prosperity we're supposed to have. Not just what might be called barely rich, we're supposed to have an abundance of riches. Okay? Over and above. Alright? Look at Second Peter 1.3. Another familiar scripture. Second Peter 1.3. Okay? This is, again, one of my favorite verses. Second Peter 1.3. says, Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything 
pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. This is the extent of prosperity. We said there was a degree. This is the extent. The extent is everything. Everything. You can't think of a thing that you should have or be in possession of that God does not will for you to possess that has to do with any aspect of your life. It's everything. Every area of life and godliness. That means of your spiritual walk. So people would say, well, this means just spiritual. No, they, he divided that out into two parts here. What it takes to live life <laughs> here on this earth, we're not talking about eternal in the by and by, we're talking about life here on this earth and godliness. He's provided everything for both of those aspects. Do you believe it? Amen. Yes. Good. I'm glad, you, I'm glad we got believers in here. All right. Now look at Proverbs chapter 3. Everything, that's the extent of prosperity for you, is everything. That includes all of it, right? Nothing left out, nothing missing, nothing broken. Okay, Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs, back past the apostles, right after the book of Psalms. Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 9 and 10. It says, Honor the Lord from your wealth. Alright, now, now we can stop right there. Honor the Lord from your what? Wealth. I thought that wasn't humble to be wealthy. How can you be wealthy if you're not rich? <laughs> is, it, is it okay to, to have wealth? Yes. Okay, because it says honor God from your wealth. It didn't say honor God in your poverty. Honor God living in the city dump and scraping by in a cardboard and corrugated tin shack. No. That's not what it says. It says honor God for... Now, can you, can you be honoring to God in that cardboard shack? Yeah, you can, because if you don't start there, you're never going to get to the wealth. But this verse says to honor God in your wealth. Don't forget Him when the riches come. Okay? Honor God in your wealth... And from the first of all your produce. It's not just fruits. That includes the vegetables too. Sad to say. Okay. Sad to say, kids, includes vegetables. But anyway, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So why? So, verse 10, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Okay? Can your barn be filled with plenty if you're too poor to own a barn? You got to have a barn first, right? So you got this assumes enough prosperity that you've even got a storehouse. You know, I've said this before, but if you're planning on prospering and you don't have much, go open you a savings account. How do you expect to have cash to start coming in and, and building up if you don't have anywhere to put it? Most, some places now open you one with minimal to no particular amount. So go out. If you don't have anything, you're just barely getting by, or maybe you've got a checking account because you live paycheck to paycheck, week to week. If you, if you don't have any more than that, go open you by faith a savings account. 
and say, thank God the money's coming in. And as I give, I'm going to start having savings. Okay, what do we say we have savings and cash for? To give, to save, and to invest. Okay? You've got to have money to invest. You've got to have a barn to have a barn full. Okay? Most of us are not farming today. So our barn is a savings vehicle of some sort or another. A savings account, a CD, a money market account, some type of an investment. Okay? You've you got to start somewhere. But before you have anything to put in it, go, go have a place to put it. Yes. Build you a barn. <laughs> we need to be expecting barns to be filled up. Yes, sir. If, you, if you're just praying, Lord, is it your will for me to have a barn, then you're not going to get the blessings. <laughs> get, get yourself a barn and get, get prepared. Okay? Your barn should be being filled up. How, what does it take to fill up your barn? Look at the prior verse we just read. Honor the Lord from your wealth. If your wealth is $100, you honor the Lord with your $100. Okay? And you bring the first fruit of how you got that to Him and honor Him with it, and you'll get a $100 harvest to start filling up your barn. A barn doesn't fill up just like that. Doesn't it come in one bale at a time? Yeah. It gets hauled in one bale at a time. If you're talking about a hay barn, okay? I believe we're talking about more than hay. <laughs> how about how about some, some cattle and some other livestock to go in there? I think we need a mixture of all kinds of the blessings to fill our barn. But the thing is, is there's a principle here, and we'd say that this verse describes the principle of prosperity. And the principle is honor the Lord and and bring him always bring him the first fruits. And then what will happen? So your barns will be filled with plenty. Doesn't that sound like that Ephesians 3.20? Exceeding abundantly above, plenty, abundance, John 10.10, 10, abundance. Your barn will be filled with that and you're not, not only filled, but they're going to overflow. There's not going to be room enough. Not going to be room enough. You're going to have to start giving that away. Start giving away your harvest because we know that's how it works anyway. You've got to keep the flow. Keep it going. Keep it going, keep it going. Keep the giving going. So, the principle of prosperity, the principle of the kingdom about prosperity, or, con- or you could say continuing in prosperity, is to do what Proverbs 3.9 says, and that's honor the Lord with it. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with bringing Him the first fruits from your harvest. Amen. All right, turn back to Psalms and look at the very first Psalm. Psalm 1. Psalm 1. Okay. Psalm 1, and we're going to look at the first three verses, and particularly verse 3. It says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. We could stop there and, and all agree that that is a blessing. Because if you don't follow the wicked and their wicked counsel... And we see a lot of that going on in this country, people following wicked, the wicked leaderships of people trying to deceive people, manipulate people. I'm not talking about the government. I'm talking about everywhere you turn, corporate life, social life, family life. People are trying to, to lead people or to get them to compromise into things that, that God considers wicked. Okay? 
Now, we might could lump part of the government and a lot of the decisions going on with that in it too because it's the same type of, it's the same culture. It's the same society. But we're not stopping there. It says, How blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, verse 2, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. So I wanted to, to, to include verse 1 and especially verse 2. That's the prerequisite for what we're going to read about in verse 3, is delighting in the law of the Lord. Meditating day and night. Are we not supposed to meditate on the Word? Doesn't it say in Joshua 1 and 8 that this, this Word uh, of the law shall not depart out of your mouth? Meaning it's supposed to stay rolling around in your mouth all the time. Meditate, murmur on the Word. Whether it's in uh, the Spirit, in other tongues, or in English, or whatever, we're supposed to... Or if it's just top of mind so that it could roll off the tip of your tongue if it needed to. Anyway, look at verse 3. Look what happens then. He will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and in whatever he does, here's that word, he prospers. Okay, so... If prosperity, and I'm convinced that it is, I'm just going to play advocate here for a second. If prosperity were not the will of God, then you would have to say, you'd have to reverse verses 1 and 2 and say it's more blessed to walk in the counsel of the wicked and to, and to line up with the path of sinners and to go along with the scoffers. Because this verse says that's the wrong way, these verses. That the right way is to delight in the law of the Lord and meditate in His Word day and night, and then here's what you're going to get. You're going to get prosperity. So if prosperity wasn't the will of God, then throw out the Word and don't meditate on it day and night, because if it does, that's what you're going to get. So if if prosperity is is sinful, then don't meditate on the Word. Go go along with the sinners and the scoffers. But no, this Word says that we're supposed to meditate in the Word day and night. That we're supposed to delight in it. And then what naturally comes is is the description of this tree that's planted right beside the um, right beside the stream, and so you could say this this verse three is the life of prosperity or the lifestyle of prosperity. The lifestyle of prosperity makes you like a tree planted by a stream. There could be a drought in the land. There could be there could be. Uh, economic collapse, recession, depression, whatever going on in the land, but does that determine your blessing? No, your roots are right down in the, in the, in the stream, in the bottom of the creek, and, and the stream is flowing right by. That's where you're getting your nourishment and your prosperity is from the stream. Is Jesus not the stream of life? Is He not the source of life? If we're planted by Him, it doesn't matter what's going on all around us. Everybody could be losing their job and losing their home and all this. I'm not losing mine. That's not my source anyway. But the point is, is you're not subject to what's going on in the surroundings, in the environment. You're subject to what's coming through the stream. Amen? And so I, I think we got a good example back here. There's a tree right back here. Now, this is not a stream. It's a drainage <laughs> ditch. But... All the water from the upper part of the neighborhood up here, <laughs> every time it rains, comes right down through here. <laughs> and that tree's right beside it. I, 
I, I'm blessed because I think you, I think the Lord, those two trees are going to continue to prosper back there, even if we have a drought. Because <laughs> any rain we have and whatever's left that's soaked down in the ground there, they're going to get it first. Amen? And so that's a good picture of this verse, is that your, your um, lifestyle is based on being hooked up to the stream. Okay? That's where your prosperity comes from. All right. So... Those scriptures, and there, I'm sure there's many, many, many more that we could look at, are scriptures that explain to you the aspects and the will of God for you to prosper. We could stop there. You could go home and meditate on those scriptures. You got enough to convince you that prosperity is the will of God. Amen? And everybody's saying, well, he's saying that because he's not going to stop there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, all right. So, anyway, see, I just thought I knew what you were thinking. But anyway, so those are good scriptures, though, to remind you anytime you have doubt. Well, we say we've got to root out doubt, right? About prospering because it is God's. It took me a long time to really feel like I'm getting grounded in the fact that I'm supposed to prosper and what that means because I, there was such a, I guess it was like a stronghold in my mind that I just had to, to live a middle class, moderate, um, enough to get by with a little bit extra lifestyle. And that is not God's will. God's will is for me to prosper. And we've seen how that's described in these verses. It's a good thing for you to study these verses because you need to see how Bible prosperity is described. Yes. It's not what you might have thought it was. Okay? It's what the Word says that it is. And you need to get that grounded into you where it is a confidence. It is a knowing. It is a just a standard that I am supposed to be blessed and prosper according to these descriptions here. Abundantly beyond. More than yes. I could ask yes. or think. Um, exceeding abundantly. Okay? All these things. This is how I'm supposed to prosper. It, it, I need to get in agreement with that. For a number of years, I, I feel like, as far as me personally and maybe our family um, financial situation, we were a little bit stagnant because I'd gotten so far in believing that, well, I'm supposed to be blessed, but, you know, and I, I get into giving and receiving, and I, I believe in being blessed and so forth. We're talking about more than being blessed. We're talking about prosperity. Prosperity is blessing on steroids, okay? Turbo blessings. That's prosperity. I'm not supposed to stop it just, well, I've got enough and I'm blessed, or at least we're not in financial straits or, or whatever. No, it's more than that. It's more than that. When, when I believe when I started getting home, and what I left out of the story about the cherry yum-yum was, and part of that I, I had meant to say, but maybe it was better to save it for, for this, was that connection got me into the first next step or the, or the moving of the next step to uh, move me along in my financial prosperity. Um, because the step that I had just taken, as far as job-wise and so forth, and, and, and listen, God, your prosperity is not, not limited to your job. That's right. Get that out of your mind. Right. But, but, but I had to learn that and start believing 
No, it truly is. And I remember sitting several times, like eating lunch or whatever, on my own or my lunch hour or whatever. God, it is truly your will for me to prosper. Yes. Not to just stay stuck in a situation. You know? Wasn't poor, wasn't getting, just barely getting by. We're a little beyond that, but not too much. Um, and so this, this step had come along a different position at the same place, but for no more money. And so... Then the story happens that I told you about at the beginning of the service, the Cherry Yum Yum story, <laughs> which made some connections and things start happening. Do you know those, connect, that, that, those steps that led from the Cherry Yum Yum incident on got me in a position where it wasn't just a change of role or job. The money increases started coming. From that point, it started coming. Do you know, and this is not, this is, this is just to, to share with you how these steps lead and how God, once I got that revelation and started getting determined about receiving my prosperity, and it, 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 there was a lot of growth between then and now, believe me, and a lot more yet to come. The surface is just being scratched. But from that point till this point, do you know that those steps He led me to have tripled my income? Now, I left that part out before, but the cherry yum yum <laughs> led to, <laughs> not God, it was God using the cherry yum yum. <laughs> but anyway, if you're hearing this, you're probably thinking, what in the world is he talking about? But God used something as simple as my favorite dessert to make those connections that got me out of one place to another, to another, to another, to another for the increase that he wanted me to begin to walk in. Yes. Amen? It's not just for me. <laughs> that they overflow, that, that you do this and God's going to fill the barn to overflowing. Yes. Now, we know, now we've got to take this in bound, we know that when it comes to giving and receiving, we, God provides the seed we sow the seed, that's our part, in faith. Actions, words, or faith, right? So we take the seed, we sow it. God gives the increase. Enough so much to fill your barn. But how does it actually get into the barn? Off the stalk out on the, in the field? You have to call in your harvest. You still have to use words. Your words are the combine. Okay? Your confession is the combine. Okay? You sow the seed, that's your first act of faith, your ongoing act of faith, knowing that God gives the harvest, yes. is you have to go out and harvest it. Yes. Okay? You have to bring it in yes. with your confession, with your words. Okay? Now, that's, that's a whole other series, but this all works together. This is nothing new you're hearing today. But you have to do your part. God's going to provide enough to overflow your barn. Yes, sir. <laughs> to overflow your vats. Glory to God. But you've got to put Glory your hand to, to something. You've got to work. <laughs> yeah. Glory to God. And honor Him as it comes in. With every, every level of harvest, every year of harvest, or there's several seasons. We just read you can have multiple seasons, right? Because the yes. season's not dependent on the weather, the economy, or your job. It's because you're planted by the streams of water, right? You're, yes. it, doesn't it say your fruit in your season? Yes. You determine how many seasons you're going to have in a year. But every season of harvest that comes in, do what Proverbs 3.9 says, 
Honor the Lord with it, with the first fruits, with the with the produce. <laughs> okay, and and then you continually be able to fill your barns. Okay, with the increase God gives. Okay, so anyway, hope, hopefully some of that is the practicality of this as well. We're going to quit there today in, in covering these prosperity scriptures, but I wanted to lay that as the groundwork. Don't go throw these away. <laughs> you might want to keep these. Maybe put them on the refrigerator or put them in your Bible, put them in your journal or your something that you can go back to whenever you're having doubts, whenever you're having a financial challenge. <laughs> go pull these out and meditate on them and say, No devil! <laughs> God has called me to be the prosperous. You want to hear what that means? Let me read it to you. <laughs> Exceeding abundantly above all that I could even ask or think. I hadn't even begun to start asking yet. And what I have asked for, I'm going to get way more than that. My barns are going to be filled with plenty. It's going to be exceeding abundantly above whatever I could ask or think. It's going to be abundance. It's going to be uh, describing... Uh, uh, more than I could could ever want or need. It's yeah. not it's not my needs according to the U.S. economy. That's it's right. my needs according to the riches in heaven. That's right. So you get that out and you stir your faith up. You remind the devil that he can't steal your goods because God has provided prosperity to you through Jesus, and it's part of your inheritance. Yes. He came too late to talk you out of it. So anyway, you take hold of those scriptures. And uh, next time we're going to talk about what Paul was teaching these Corinthians in chapter 8 about the... Basically, we're going to start first about talking um, how he describes the faith of the Macedonian believers. And then what he's telling the Corinthians in, in chapter 9. There's some good stuff in there. we got some more of these aspects of prosperity we're going to read about in there, including a good definition of prosperity is in chapter 9. But you're going to come back to hear that the next time. And then we're going to talk about Malachi 3 and, and how tithing and giving and all this relates to it. Um, but anyway, lots of good stuff to come. And uh, time won't permit today for us to, to cover it all. Amen? Did you get something out of it? Yes. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Hope of Glory Family Church. You can find us at www.hopeofgloryfamilychurch.com.